0: Hi, this is Melissa, and it is December the 11th, 2022, and this is the 89th Redux of Alan Watts' Cutting Through the Matrix, and this is from a talk he did on RBN Radio on June the 4th, 2013, and I selected this talk because it ties in pretty well with the Purpose Made People series and theme that we've been using So Alan goes into um, things like brain mapping and data collection for predictability. Uh, There's a story that he was reading about um, Google at that time, the time of his reading the article in 2013, had bought Motorola, and Motorola was working on electronic tattoos and monitoring microchips. Some of the topics felt just very timely for what we're living through, and... That is why I selected it. I'm not sure. I may clip a couple of the articles that he read that seem less timely, but I definitely wanted to keep in Alan covering um, some stories about Scotland. He gave a little bit of what it means for a country to experience genocide, the eradication of peoples, and he goes into the Highland Clearances, the destruction of cultures. He talked about GERFEC, which is a program that is used in, in Scotland, getting it right for every child. And, you know, it's got all of the social services, um, newspeak to sell it about how helpful this is for families and children. But what you're really looking at is is monitoring, monitoring cradle to grave and One of the other stories that Alan read here was about how beds in hospitals were overcrowded because, and sick people weren't getting in to get their treatment because drug users were taking up all the bed space. And it was, you know, the story was delivered in a really judgmental way against the drug users. And Alan's, the points that he was making is that when you lose your identity, when you don't know who you are as, as a nation, as a people, as an individual, then you just lapse into self-abuse and self-annihilation. So you kind of do the work of genocide for those who want to get rid of you. It, it kind of reminded me in a way of last week's talk where Alan talked about how important it is to be able to see things in the past and how hard it is to do that from the perspective of where we are now, because you have certain ways of thinking, you've been conditioned to see things in a certain way, and you just can't step out and say, well, that isn't how they thought then. They didn't, you know, a hundred years ago, there was no feminism. There was no uh, equality and inclusion kind of movement. And so, it, it is really hard to see a, a piece of history and not be colored by your own indoctrination and your own understanding of the times that you're living through currently. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, I was dusting a table. I, I dust on rare and very special occasions. <laughs> and I wanted to put a Christmas decoration down on a table. My mother had a pile of books there. And my mother's no longer living, but she was a musician, and she taught music and history. And because she loved history, she's got books about just about everything. But I hadn't picked up this pile before, and it had a lot of really old books in the pile. And one of them near the top of the stack caught my eye because it had this pretty gold filigree on the spine. And it said, Scottish Life and Character by Dean Ramsey. And I opened up and it said, To his countrymen who love Scotland, these pages are dedicated by the author in the fond hope of uniting Scottish hearts in the kindly feelings of Auld Lang Syne. And then there's a a little bit of an introduction, this is the preface to the ninth edition. So I was hunting to see, because I could tell this book is really old, what year was it printed. And this edition was printed in 1863. And the author said, In preparing another edition of Reminiscences of Scottish Life and Character, I am anxious to explain in a few words wherein the present edition of the work differs from those which have been already published, and further to give my reasons for once more putting myself forward in the character of a collector of national peculiarities. The original intention of this little work was to illustrate certain phases of Scottish language, of Scottish humor, and turns of thought which, though very curious and entirely national, had for some time past been disappearing from amongst us and passing away so fast that to younger members of the present generation they have become nearly obsolete. So he had published his first edition, it turns out, in eighteen fifty seven, and at that time it was titled "Some Changes in Social Life and Habits." But so eighteen fifty seven, so he was pretty much doing an edition a year. He was a reverend of the Episcopalian Church in Scotland, and he, by the time he passed away, he had done 22 editions of this book. So it was important for him to document what he called rapid changes in the culture so that young people wouldn't be in danger of forgetting who they were. And it's cute. I mean, I haven't had time to read it, obviously, but I opened it up. And he spends a lot of time talking about changes in religion and worship and the things that people used to be concerned about. There's a lot of uh, language, old expressions that he gives that have fallen out of use. And uh, there are, you know, because Alan was talking about the Scottish drug use and the problem that that is. I I was just researching, you know, to see what was new. And again, I think it was just last year, Scotland was again um, the most drug abuse in all of Europe. So the problem that was there when Alan was covering this in 2013 is still there. And the book, you know, he, he also talks about again in eighteen sixty three how things are rapidly changing and people are kind of losing their way and maybe they're drinking too much. But it's not all temperance and no you don't drink. It's just it it's very insightful observations about even where drinking habits are different. Like he says, oh the Highlanders can drink a lot. And sometimes that's a good thing. And he make he tells a few funny jokes about um how much the Highlanders can tolerate drinking. And then sometimes it's not so good. He, he mentions a funeral where the people came together to mourn the person who had passed away, and two of them drank so much at the event that they ended up dying from from over-drinking. And it's, it is an interesting slice of history. As I was looking into... Um, some of the things that Alan said in this talk, one of them was his comments that he made about uh, the drug use in Scotland. He was reading this article and he said, Alan said, because what they're claiming is sick hospital patients are squeezed out by the drug users, you can actually go into some really depressed areas now in the country and you'll see the needles and syringes hanging out of the arms of children on doorsteps now. Now, when I was growing up, there was none of that at all. Everybody knew who they were. Everybody knew what we were, what your neighbors were. You were all Scots, although that was getting hammered out of you at school as well and by design. But once it goes, as I say, Darwin said it, you eventually self-destruct. If you don't know what you are anymore and you're being ignored by the people who are supposed to be in charge of you, The Scottish National Party is not, as far as I'm concerned, Scottish at all. And it's completely globalist, and it's pretty well communist in many ways, too. So that was his comment. And um, again, because even people are given, uh, you know, Scottish who want independence from the U.K., This is an ongoing thing. I I was reading up on, uh, you know, just how far back this goes and the Scottish National Party achieved something they called devolution of government. And this was back in the 90s so that there were some things that from then on could be done in the Scottish Parliament and then some things that remained with the UK But even there, it was kind of a joke because what remained in the UK would be like medicine and health and uh, genetics and abortion. All of those things stayed with uh, UK Parliament. But the Scottish had what they called health. So how can you have control over your health and your health care if you can't call a shot on something like genetics and genetic testing and genetic experimentation or abortion. so. But at any rate, I don't want to get too political on this, nor do I. One of the things that I was reading about was talking about the last time the uh, push for another referendum got shot down, which was 2020, and Boris Johnson shot it down. And they were interviewing some people who said, they were fully with Scotland and they felt, you know, one of them that was interviewed for this piece was someone named Archie Emmanuel who said he was from Ghana, but he feels just as comfortable to say that Scotland is his home as he does his native Ghana and calls himself Afro-Scot. And there was another um, gentleman that they interviewed for the article who did not speak any English um, and his comments were being translated for the interview. And he said, um, he calls himself Scottish Pakistani and he cooks curries at his restaurant in Edinburgh. And with the help of translation, he said, 19 years I've lived in Scotland and I'm a hundred percent with Scotland. So again, I'm not making a political comment, nor am I saying that you, aren't entitled to identify with a country if you don't speak its language or you're not from there. But I am asking the question, uh, after picking up my mom's old book, Scottish Life and Character, I'm, I'm just saying, what does national identity mean? If this reverend was bewailing this in 1863, and here we are in 2022, and it is still a struggle. And that's just one country. I think that pretty much any country that you would look at in the world, because we are under a global governance, has the same problems and the same fallout. Anyway, I am going to quit uh, jabbering on here. I will read the poem to you, though. This is from June 4, 2013. Despicable. Overlords make you completely predictable. It may be hard to convince a woman or man we live in an agenda that's going to plan. All the tidbits of news you'll be surprised are there to read because they're authorized. Predictive programming works, technique noxious as it bypasses awareness, embeds in subconscious. Making changes to come planned usually annually, seem inevitable, so change must come naturally. You adopt changes and opinions without reason. Total war on your mind is an open season. Taxes for multi-billion schemes and mapping brain by neuroscientists, behaviorists wanting to train a generation with wellness, efficiently obedient, this part of the agenda is stamped expedient. So enjoy this talk and thank you. There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak.
1: There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 4th of June 2013. I always suggest that newcomers make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find all the official sites I have listed there, and they all carry lots of audios for free download. We go through the system we're born into, and it truly is an organized system, way above uh, democracy and politics as we know it. And I tell you about the foundations that set up over 100 years ago to basically bring in this world system run by experts and, of course, a dominant minority at the top, an elite Who've really been in charge for an awful long time and they plan to keep going with their own offspring and charge for centuries much, much, much more than this after we're long gone and maybe even our own kind or species is gone because they want to clone people down the roads, so at least modify them to be perfect obedient citizens. And that's coming with the brain projects and so on. They've got underway using our tax money, of course, because we always give the cash up to build our own chains. So help yourself to the website. Remember, two all the sites listed, cuttingtranscripts.com have uh, transcripts for uh, print up in English, and if you go into Alan Sentinel, sent in Sentinel.eu, you can get uh, transcripts in other languages. And remember, two you bring me to you because I depend upon you to help me tick along here. Now, uh, and it's cost quite a bit. If I, I pay for a thousand dollars this month alone, just on websites and all the rest of it, and servers, two different servers both of which often get interfered with. So uh, this is why I have so much of everything, basically. And even the websites I have, I get trouble from Yahoo and other organizations uh, that um, even if we were unlimited uh, uploads, uh, they still can get back to me and say there's too much there, etc., etc., etc. So that's why there's so many sites I have there to share all the, the load that's up there. But there's thousands of talks for download, as I say. So if you want to keep me ticking along, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthreadmetrics.com where I go through the art of managing what they call the human herd. A very old art indeed, come back to ancient times. Ancient priesthoods knew about this art, of course. They, they ruled on behalf of a dominant minority in their days, generally of foreigners as well, uh, that came in and dominated their cultures, making kings and queens and pharaohs and all the rest of it. And these sciences are never forgotten. They're so important. And, uh, and every time an empire uh, falls, Uh, You can believe me. All the archives are already gone, long gone. Into the new bunch has taken over because they never throw away this kind of knowledge. It's too powerful. So remember, from the U.S. to Canada to order the books and discs, you can uh, use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash across uh, the waters. You can use uh, Western Union. And straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through these hard times. And uh, this is not a business because I came out a long time ago uh, because I listened to Patriot Radio a bit and realized that they're going round in circles. And they were navel-gazing. They didn't realize there was a big, massive world agenda on the go. And whatever laws were passed in each country were passed across the world at the same time. And, of course, in every country, they never told you uh, that uh, this was a a worldwide agenda. They simply told you, it's a new national law for you. And people didn't think any further. They'd grumble about things, but they didn't know that a world body was bringing all these laws down on top of them. And uh, I thought it was time to come out and go through the eugenics uh, program that was planned uh, how our tax money was being used to make us more subdued and stupidly very obedient but stupid and how the education system too was a big part of it in other words total management total mind management was a very old idea that had been put into practice and I went through the old philosophers and even the ones in the 20th century like Lord Bertrand Russell who came out with a lot of the the, the, the techniques that were to be used today in fact he's dead But we're still using his techniques today, and many others like him that work with the global societies. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And it really is a matrix because we're kept in our little rooms or boxes inside the matrix. And each time you think you're getting through into a a higher level, you don't realize there's many other levels above that and above that and so on. And you're controlled. And really, we are controlled. The mainstream media is all controlled. They've gone through the history before of the Royal of International Affairs, CFR, where every major uh, publication and anchorman, too, on television and journalists, the top ones, are all members of this organization. They're sworn to what they call the Chatham Rules for their meetings, and they they swear allegiance to the organization and its goals, which is, of course, world government and uh, a particular kind of system, very elitist system, And you'll find all the Bilderberg members, two members of it as well, and the trilateral organization also uh, part of this group. And they are through all countries and nations. They have been for a long, long time, putting in top bureaucrats into positions. They're there for life. They know what they're doing. Politicians come and go. But they also pick the top uh, members of all the political parties, left wing and right wing, and so they play the game for the public, and the public keep voting in this this group. And democracy, so you don't vote in a new person or a group because you like them. You're just so, so sick of the last group that you voted in, and you want a change. And you, ho- you hope, you, you live in hope basically. And we do have an optimism factor in our minds, our brains, so they they, they, uh, they know this too. And they've done lots of scientific uh, writings about it. They know this because if you get certain brain injuries in a certain part of the brain, you become very depressed and so on. But uh, and some people actually will enhance it if other pathways are blocked through to accident or disease or whatever. So anyway, they understand how we tick, and they're going really full guns ahead to, to getting uh, our brain mapped Not just uh, the U.S. is doing it. They're working in partnership with the European branches for brain mapping and Japan as well. I might touch on that tonight. But the whole idea is to, once you've mapped your brain, And they'll go into the GIRFEC program, which they're using in Scotland as a trial basis, where a guardian from the social work department is appointed by government on every, for every child there is from, from the age of about two months onwards, I think. And you're getting psychology tests at two months onwards. And then you also get checked to see if you have any racist leanings or whatever. uh, And many other political correct agendas involved in it too. To turn out the perfect docile Stupid fool, basically. If you're too bright, they'll put you on a lot of pills, like they do in the U.S. and elsewhere, and uh, shrink your brain. And that, of course, is the effect that they have with lots of the drugs that they give for ADHD and so on. Well-documented, too, because it's really speeded or amphetamine that you're giving them. But we watch all happening. They give you the Internet, of course, because you couldn't bring any of this system in without the Internet. They've got to, in a totalitarian turn, you've got to make sure that everyone is completely predictable. And you're all predictable because you put all your information up by your chatter every day, by emails and Twitter and all the rest of it, and your phone conversations, all being monitored. You all know what's happening, and they keep these records forever, folks. It's forever. So uh, they know exactly how you are. They have virtual yous, uh, a virtual you for everyone. In the Pentagon, they admit that themselves. I read the article on the air from the Pentagon a couple of years ago. And they set it up knowing it all about you. And as you change your, your, your fads or whatever you're up to, they add that onto your virtual reality in the pentagon. And they do little war games with you and mind games and situational games to see how you react in certain things. And they say you're, you're very predictable. They're so accurate today, they're very predictable. That's how free you are. You have no freedom at all. But they couldn't do it without computerization. It wasn't given out there for you to be happy with. Uh, it was given out there for the big boys to make sure you become addicted to it, and they'd to have total control and knowledge, a complete knowledge of who you are as a person, and that makes them feel safer at the top. Mind you, mind you too, if you're not too good, uh, or you're, you're maybe too good actually for your own goods, they'll, they'll certainly come after you in one way or another. Are uh, using psychiatric institutions? Uh, because the Soviet Union used psychiatry big time for people who were dissidents, real dissidents, not the little yahoos that uh, think they're being anarchists and so on, but the ones who really know their stuff, and they would lock them up in psychiatry, and they would actually say that you had inflexibility of opinion. That was classified as a mental disease. Because in this new system, it's it's very much into the Orwellian stuff, where where O'Brien, the torturer, says to Winston, He says, if I can see, I can fly, Winston, you'll believe I can fly. If I say two and two is five, you'll believe it. It's not good enough to say it because he wants you to say it. You've got to be made to believe it. And unfortunately, people today are so easily to convince of pretty well anything. Uh, Bertrand Russell again said that 50 odd years ago, 60 years ago, that with the right technology, the right techniques, he says, it'll be, it'll be, it'll come, and it'll be beneficial for the rulers, he said, where you can convince anybody of anything at all. And that's already here, folks. Now remember, too, if all mainstream was always control because control is a factor, you gotta be careful, too, of what they call alternate media as well. Don't forget that for a second. Don't ever forget that, because during the 60s, the old uh, Patriots system, which was mainly shortwave and so on, initially set up by by the CIA uh, and they were using Christian groups in America at the time to counter the propaganda of of the Soviet system. And I often wonder if they ever gave it up. Why would they give up such an arm of control for those who are trying to think outside the box? I always think about that too. Now, We've gone through the history many times before about the big organisations of the CIA and MI6, Mossad too. They have real organi real, real um, corporations out there that do manufacture things, and they are the listed as registered corporations and so on. But you don't realise that they are set up by these organisations, especially in, in the electronic fields, especially big time. But uh, you'll find that, uh, as I say, they are still run by the big boys at the top, and we know that. Um, the NAC and, and Google, for instance, have a big connection. I'll put an article up tonight to show their complete connection because uh, they are set up by the NSA. all these organizations. And we find they do produce things too. Google owns Motorola, for instance. And, of course, Motorola's bringing out the high-tech tattoo. They're supposed to replace all your passwords. And they've got not these big PR uh, articles to the media, just handouts, and they're published right into the media. But it says says the Moto X is expected to launch later this year and be more contextually aware than other phones. The BioStamp electronic tattoo is made of silicon, contains an electrical circuit antenna and sensors that bend and move with the wearer's body. And the Proteus digital health vitamin authentication pill is powered by acid in the wearer's stomach and creates an 18-bit signal picked up by mobile phones. Motorola is trialing the technologies as authentication alternatives to, to non-secure traditional passwords Now you can see how this ties in with total control For those who, uh, I'm sure most listeners don't need to be told that And it's also a predictive programming Because even if it doesn't take off, the thought's now in your head That this is going to be inevitable down the road And they bring out some other uh technique that won't seem so invasive or whatever But it does exactly the same thing and you'll be made to use it but it says that... uh Motorola's announced it's looking at alternatives to traditional passwords in a bid to make logging onto online sites, uh, or accessing mobile phones more secure. Among the ideas discussed at the D11 conference in California Wednesday were electronic tattoos. That's an old idea. We've read about them four or five years ago. That article's out then. Again, they always build up to something and I believe you, even if you've forgotten it to uh, consciously, your subconscious hasn't forgotten these things. That's called predictive programming, reading the, the mind to accept the ultimate thing down the road, and it says the tattoos developed by Massachusetts-based engineering firm MC10 contain flexible electronic circuits are attached to the wearer's skin using a rubber stamp. They can actually put it in your clothing too. In fact, they have in some <laughs> some particular corporations. And basically, it says. Uh, The researcher at Illinois uh, University used standard CMOS semiconductor computer chips technologies to create the the bio stamp. Using high-performance silicone can stretch up to 200%. It says the bio-stamp can monitor temperature, hydration, and strain, amongst other medical statistics. It can actually tell them what they're doing, but by the type of energy it's used, the muscles involved, and all the rest of it. The first prototypes were, were struck on using a, a plaster-style patches. They, see, they started using them with uh, the, the so-called NASA astronauts for the space shuttle and so on a long time ago to monitor their heartbeats, pulse, and all the rest of it. And moved on from there. More recent prototypes are applied directly to the skin using a rubber stamp. It can then be covered with spray on bandage to make it more durable and waterproof enough to wash. The MC10 biostamp is set to last up to two weeks before it starts to come loose. Well, as soon as that happens and if it catches on, you'll find they'll come out with the next part that, that was already made probably years ago, ready, ready for it, and it'll be more waterproof and last a lot longer. Such a nuisance having to do it every two weeks, right? MC Terran originally designed the tattoos called BioStamps to help medical teams measure the health of their patients, either remotely or without the need for large, expensive machinery. And, of course, we've had the chips embedded into elderly people with uh, various brain diseases for disorders. Motorola claims the circuits which also contain antenna and built in sensors could be adapted to work with mobile phones and tablets. Makes you wonder too about cancers when you're getting cancers it's, it's, uh, in, in the brain that's really exploded with the cell phones and now you can put it into your stomach as well. It's not a bad idea, eh, really? And it says the produce digital health pills are already been approved by the US Food and Drug Administration and was given European regulatory approval in twenty ten. And this is one swallowed the acid in the wearer's stomach uses it. It products to burn the, to turn the switch on and off. And it says it can also monitor heart rate. And the pill was approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 2012, uh, and so on. There, uh, it says. owners Regina Duggan called it the vitamin authentication pill. It said the pills can be taken every day for 30 days if necessary without any problems. It contains a computer chip that can be powered like a battery, and it can be used to verify that wearer is the correct owner of the device or account. Mind you, too, it can also be used by any government agency to to stop you from getting into any building or even a car or or whatever, even a store. Don't forget that, too. And it will be. It will be for the idiots that fall for it. And there there will be lots of idiots because that's why they've made, made tattooing awfully popular through the movies and the stars that you follow. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back with Cutting Through The Matrix and talking about tinkering with our bodies and our minds Because that's the ultimate thing, uh, at least for a, a phase anyway, until they get into t- truly breeding um, and creating new kinds of humans And they, they will do this eventually, two more efficient workers that don't complain, don't need much that they're, they're They don't need to consume lots of things to reward themselves at the end of the month uh, and by rewards and so on So uh, this is where we're going with all of this And two, everyone must be, be completely predictable and, it's, and I've got an article too I'll try to find and put up the link At cuttingtransmetrics.com At the end of the broadcast But it's to do um, with uh, another scientist Who's come out and said that um, Because you see, that, that they know For instance, and there have been lots of articles out in the past About different parts of the brain They know which are affected, as I say, in accidents And, and um, They say there's an uh, optimism center in the brain, but there's also what they call the God space. And the God space, in other words, is where they claim or they think that's where very religious people uh, uh, are activated from this part of their brain. And it's different in some people, the different sort of uh, sizes, more cells involved, less in others. And this is what they claim being neuroscientists and other atheists, that this is the cause of it. So... What uh, actually said? One of the scientists actually said that uh, they can de-radicalise a fundamentalist Islamic person or Christian or whatever it happens to be. And this is one of their projects, of course. In other words, if you're anti-whatever that's going on, uh, they can also de-radicalise you. And they're putting so much money, our tax money, of course, into it. This is what they're going to use it for. Although they always say it's to help the elderly and, and, and victims and so on. Always the same nonsense, but when DARPA's involved and the military-industrial complex is involved, they're not interested in helping people who are ill or sick or crippled. Anyway, it says, two major projects announced in recent months of state towered ambitious claims to get the bigger picture of what's going on in there, and that was from the Irish Times. It says, in January, the European Commission revealed it selected the Human Brain Project as a future emerging technologies flagship project. It's ready to cost more than a billion euros over the next decade, The initiative is looking to build a computer simulation of a human brain. That's one part of it. And it says then in early April, an Obama administration announced the Brain Initiative standing for brain research through advanced innovative neurotechnologies, but often simply called the Brain Activity Map. The idea here is to develop and use technologies to record real-time interactions to help to build up a more dynamic picture of the brain. Again, the plan is to work on this over a decade, and each year it will lead hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. Now, you understand, too, certain sciences, as they call them, have dogmas that you must accept at the beginning of courses. And if you go into neuroscience, remember, it's coupled completely with uh, 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 behaviorism, eugenics, and many other things, too to do about, about us, what makes us tick as, as individuals, what makes a, a, an individual different from someone else, and so on. And they want to know all of this stuff so they can tinker with you down the road. And once again, uh, before they obviously will bring out their clones and so on, they'll want to tinker with you after they've done their gear fix studies like Scotland's doing to find out if they can improve something or knock some radical part off of the brain so it doesn't give them any problems in the future. But it says the H- so when you, you accept it to go into these courses, and these are courses are across the whole world, uh, and you'll find it's just like a eugenics or bioethics, as you say, which are genetic organizations or, or educational systems. You must accept Darwinism basically and, and evolution of the, off the bats. So it's the same thing with neuroscience. You must accept all of that and, uh, and the fact that down the road they'll have the right, they will have the right to tinker with us. And rectify us, fix us to be good citizens. Anyway, this is Professor Henry Markham, who coordinates the Human Brain Project, and he's based in Switzerland. Argues, argues the case for bringing data together. Says it means to drive a complete revolution in the way we do neuroscience. What is needed is a global collaboration. He told a recent conference on European brain research, and it says successes and next challenges in Brussels, which was organised by the European Commission for European Month of the Brain. Markram uh, outlined the need to integrate the data pouring out from scientific studies. And he says, um, part of the issue is that researchers uh, study the brain at different scales of space and time and we're missing integration and a coherent view, according to Markram, who's based at uh, Switzerland. But even if you integrate results from studies at the levels of individual cells, circuits, and entire brain regions, the challenge of simulating the complexity of the brain is still gargantum. And he says, is it worth doing? It says, the uber neuroscience approach gets a qualified thumbs up from Professor Kevin Mitchell, who is Associate Professor of Genetics and Neuroscience at Trinity College, Dublin. I think it's the right time for concentrated efforts like these, he says. Then he goes into it in a bit more detail, but they don't go into where they really want. I mean, you think all this funding is getting to them because they're out out of pure interest, folks? Of course it's not. This is for controlling uh, uh, the societies uh, in the very near future. In the very near future, because neuroscience is already involved with governments, along with the behaviors work for them too, on policies and how to get policies across and through to the general population. They work with the marketing organizations as well, using chronology. It's a very good art, and it always works. Now, when, there's many ways to destroy a country, by the way, and if you look at, um Genocide and ethnic cleansing is different uh, definitions basically For them But what comes under the Geneva Convention for, for it is to destroy a people Using various techniques uh, You can either do it economically One that's a big one is, is destroy a people economically You could starve them to death uh, You can create uh, depression Because people have no future Get awfully depressed And then you introduce drugs into the country big time And those who are depressed will take the drugs To escape the misery of living They've found this works awfully well with American Indians in Canada, for instance, and there's no shortage of supply to drugs and even glue for sniffing for the children. It's been going on for years as they die off, but also using it in places like Scotland too. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about techniques of destroying whole peoples. And one way, of course, is eliminate the language they use. By forcing another language on them, that was done to Scotland back in the 1700s and the 1800s under the Highland Clearances, where they were deporting many of the, the Highlander people who spoke Gaelic, of course, and who were found speaking it in, in, in the tongue for quite a few years, or even wearing tartan for that matter, to, for the clan that you belonged to, you were hung on the spot by the troops. So there's was one way of doing it, and eventually they relented on that once they cleared enough out the country and or killed them off. And they've done it in other countries, too. But in America, too, as I say, in in Canada, especially, you can go into any of these reservations and they've got terrible drug problems. So it's to make sure drugs flow in because the people you see, and Darwin mentions this, too, who who are having their cultures destroyed by what they can as a superior culture is in charge, uh, then they they go into utter utter self-destruction. It's well understood. And with Scotland, for instance, uh, with the massive propaganda, multiculturalism, massive immigration and so on, uh, and we're all the same and everybody's the same, you lose your culture altogether if you are the dominant culture that's been there for a long, long time. And you feel you belong to nothing. And I've had Scots people say that and English folk too. I don't know what it is to mean to be British anymore or English or Scottish. They don't know. They feel, feel they're just lost. They're ignored. And that was one of the reasons they were ignored, because the Labour Party for years imported people basically from outside countries, from diverse countries, and then helped start them up, even in businesses across the country where they'd have to pay tax for about 15 years, and gave them businesses to start with fact and funding. And, uh, and the people that they should have been supporting Labour were totally ignored, and because they would not have revolutions, and Labour wanted to bring in folk who might have revolutions. Anyway, there's always these wars going on, and the public are completely oblivious to the real reasons that are going on. Anyway, as I say, a GERFEC is a program in Scotland where, as uh, I see you get a guardian appointed to you at birth, basically, by the state. And then you have checkups all the time uh, to, just to see your emotional health, your well-being. And, of course, it's graduated, too, to see if you're politically correct with all your ideas. If not, you'd be rectified rather quickly. And... Um, it's much like clockwork orange, I'm sure, before you're, you're even 10 years old. And then they'll have their ideal citizens. So that's a test bed for the world. And Girfec has uh, uh, associations from the United Nations working with them. Even Sarkozy, the ex-president uh, of France, he was also in, uh, helping set it up too. And, and it's going on and on. So that's part of eradicating a people and a culture. Anyway, it says here, the Scottish government claims to have an approach over the past few years based on recovery for for drugs and so on. However, these figures or another suggest approach is not being effectively implemented on the ground. It says this shouldn't be investigated as a matter of urgency, or it should be. We need to spell out clearly how we intend to tackle the problem, because what they're claiming is sick hospital patients are squeezed out by the drug users. You can actually go into some really depressed areas now in the country, and you'll see the needles and syringes hanging out the arms children on doorsteps now now when I was growing up there was none of that at all Everyone knew who they were Everyone knew what we were what our neighbors were you're all Scots although that was getting hammered out to you at school as well and I um, by design and uh, but once it goes as I say Darwin said it uh, you eventually self-destruct. If you don't know what you are anymore. And you're being ignored by the people who are supposed to be in charge of you. The Scottish National Party is not, as far as I'm concerned, Scottish at all. And it's completely globalist, and it's pretty well communist in many ways too. And it says that a rising number of drug users are clogging up Lothian hospitals as a result of substance abuse figures reveal. And then they go into the different drugs that are out there on the streets, big time. Opioids, including heroin and methadone, were by far the most common cause of acute hospital visits, accounted for 738 discharges in the region over the year-long period. Cab- uh, cannabinoids, which are from cannabis, sedatives and cocaine, also led to stints in hospital. The figures don't include alcohol. The chair of Scotland's Patients Association, Brian Deeser, who's taken to hospital is selfish. She added, if this is what they want to do with their lives, that's their choice. But other patients who are sick don't get to choose. Well, actually, a lot of these children don't get to choose either. If you're in utter misery, you've been told by, starting with Margaret Thatcher and others since then, uh, uh, there'll be generations growing up here who will never see work in their lifetime, get used to it. That's what they're told on national television by the Prime Minister. What would you do at that age? When you see no future whatsoever. Anyway, this is a, this is a planned ploy for taking them down, and destructing them. By the way, uh, it's not, it doesn't surprise me because H.G. Wells and others had the Scots and the Irish down for, for complete elimination of peoples who should not be allowed into the new world order because they tend to rebel, judging from their history, just too often for the elite to be happy about. Emmett says they're taking up beds that are needed elsewhere. The vast majority of patients were rushed to load the emergency departments, and increasing strain on struggling facilities. Now, I remember, uh, back in the 80s, uh, when coming back to Britain from other countries, and, uh, I couldn't believe the immigration that was just flooding in, especially from India. And along with that, I got to know lots of the big, the, the tycoons that were coming in from India who were buying whole streets of slums through Edinburgh, Glasgow, and different places. I knew them very well, actually. And they had every scam in the book going, because they don't go by your laws or rules, like others too, There's others been in the country a lot longer, who don't go by them either. But um, they were also importing drugs big time uh, on shipping. And of course, Scotland along uh, Edinburgh and so on, you've, you've got the docks, etc., and you've got lots of shipping coming in Grangemouth and all that, and drugs were coming in like crazy. From the guys who've been, who are the masters of drugs from India, who were then residing in Scotland. So it's all planned long, long in advance. And the authorities obviously knew about it, but they weren't stopping it at all. Anyway, they go on about their Scottish uh, approach over the last few years based on recovery and how it's basically not effective and so on. And it says that the vast majority of patients were rushed to Lothian's, another hospital, increasing strain on struggling facilities. Now that's what happens. And as I say, if I go into uh, reservations in in Canada here, you find the same thing. People who have lost their culture, uh, they feel they've nothing left. They have seen no future. And you understand, uh, your culture gives you your your modus operandi and reason for being as well. And um, when that's gone, you self destruct. Well understood in genocide. Well understood for those who don't quite get it. And also, uh, and by the way, it'll happen across the whole of Europe now too with this, this new Soviet-type internationalist uh, com- commission at the top that runs this, the the new the new Soviet Union based in Brussels, the, the Parliament of the EU. SED naturalise all the other countries too. And the, another one, too, is about sitting in a hospital cubicle, clutching his stomach. You'll see pictures of a guy who went in, he waited six hours, a young father, actually, and it was a virus condition he had. He wasn't even checked for six hours, and he died right there before he did any treatments whatsoever. Could have been saved, but nope. That's the, the National Health Service for you, too. We also know, too, there's uh, some countries that were in the Soviet Union. In fact, most of the countries were under the Soviet bloc. Uh, were plundered by the dominant minority who came in in the revolutions from outside. And many of them were not from those countries at all. Even the ones who ran the Soviet Union, many of them came from Germany or, and New York actually true. Uh, and, uh, and they dominated the country right through the Soviet era and their children took over as well. And a lot more still there. That's why Moscow is one of the richest countries uh, in the world. Moscow itself, um, the richest city, as I say, in the world after New York City. But you find too, a lot of those ones who ran the Soviet Union liked the the countryside good countryside and nice houses like they do everywhere else, and they used places like Slovenia for their for their beautiful uh, away from the work enterprises, but Slovenia uh, gets a second agency debt downgrade it says. so they 're going to downgrade them a country that 's been abused for many years through the Soviet era. And it says, uh, just weeks after Slovenia was downgraded by the rating agency Moody's, which means if it borrows, it's going to be a higher um, interest rate. It receives a, a new blow, as Fitch voices concerns, over a bailout. So the, they're almost at the bailout point now. And they have beautiful houses there that were built for the, the top uh, commissars from the Soviet system. And uh, they'll go for peanuts. This is the idea, too, because there's, a big, there's a big interest from outside the countries involved, or coordinated interests. They like to flatten nations, and and they go in and they buy up all the real estate. That's what's happening in Bulgaria, by the way. And the same guys who were members of the Soviet system call themselves other things now, like liberal, democrats, things like that. It's the same guys that ran the Soviet Union. That's how the world really is. It didn't fall, by the way. And all these guys had warnings it was coming and what was going to happen afterwards and how they'd have to grab all the big oil fields, etc., and make the, the ultimate billionaires, which they have in Russia. Plenty of warning. Now, there's also of hullabaloo, I think, in the States, about Supreme Court, it says OK's DNA swaps of people under arrest. Well, all they're doing is standardizing this across the world, because Britain's had it for years, so has Canada, and many other countries. So, join the club, folks. Everything is global. And that means even if you if they can if you drop your arrest doesn't matter that's on there for life. You want a DNA database of everyone down the road. Another one too is ten reasons why so many people are moving to Texas. Half of the ten fastest growing cities in the US are Texas, according to new figures. So everywhere you look at it, there's a lot of people moving there. And five of the ten fastest-growing cities in the country between 2011 and 2012 were in Texas, according to the new figures from the U.S. Census Bureau. New York is way out in front in terms of added population, but Houston is second with San Antonio, and Austin fourth and fifth now. And the big 90-page report put out by the top think tank for the military-industrial boys, Department of Defense in Britain and NATO, that I read in some of my archives section at cuttingintributors.com. 90 pages is worth reading. Uh, they said that eventually the US will be stripped down of its old cities, depopulated with moving folk out for work into third world countries. But also there'll be certain ones left that will expand and they had Mex- Texas is a possible one that they would ex- actually expand. So they're going along a plan whether you understand it or not. Everything, everything runs to plan. Folks, everything does.